everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ace Out Wide Tennis Podcast. This is your co-host, Alex Rector, with my other co-host, Matthew Fayer. Hey, everybody. Uh, again, like Alex said, welcome to another episode. We have some things to talk about. As always, we have the exciting New York Open on the docket yes. for today's episode. And then, of course, we have a little bit of drama uh, from the Australian Open as well that we'll briefly touch on. But before we go in to you know all this juicy gossip and all the all the excitement that's going on in the in tennis uh alex where can they follow us absolutely matt so if you guys are on reddit uh, our reddit screen name is uh let me see here it's ace out wide if you're on twitter it's ace out wide podcast excuse me ace out wide pc ace out wide pc on twitter and if you want to email us, it's acellwidepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we have our new contest going on this year. Uh, once we get 15 user-submitted questions through either of the three channels, uh, we, all the users will be submitted for a $15 Tenants Warehouse gift card. Yes, we decide to continue our generosity. Why? I, I don't know. But we are, so please take advantage of it. We're good guys. Any questions, comments, concerns, you will be entered into the drawing. Yep, absolutely, Matt. So we have not podcasted since after the Australian Open. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good tournament. Um, I'm kind of getting to the point, I know this is going to irk a few people, but is it kind of getting old that Roger Federer is still winning tournaments? You know, coming from you, I'm really surprised to be hearing that because you are the one who have just always been praising Roger Federer, and deservedly yeah. so. I mean, let me, sure. I mean, he is the GOAT, period. Sure. Period. What he's doing is nothing short of amazing. I mean, I love Roger. I love watching him. I'm a little more of an adult fan, but, you know, I, I almost... I, I almost wonder if that's the case. You know, we really need to get more new blood in tennis, and I, I think we're seeing it. I really do, especially with all these injuries and everything. But yeah, I mean, he's becoming like the Alabama Crimson Tide of tennis, or the New England Patriots of tennis. He just is always winning. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I guess my point is, my concern is, is he really that good, or is there just no one else that has figured him out? You know, I mean, obviously he's like you said, the goat, greatest of all time, and I don't think his Grand Slam record will ever be touched. Certainly, I don't think any player alive right now is going to touch his Grand Slam record that I'm aware of. Um, I know. So I don't know. You know, so it's just like. I love watching them win, but it's like, I don't know. I just kind of want to see some new guys at the top. And I hate saying that because I love excellence, and Roger Federer is excellent, period. Okay, but you know? I, and I think another reason why you're feeling this, too, is tennis is lacking drama. I mean, everybody yeah, loves Roger yeah. Federer, and, and deservedly so. Uh, I mean, heck, Marion Chilich and Roger Federer were you know, hitting around even before the tournament, just saying they're drinking mimosas or something, having a good old time. Great for them, but you know where's that? Where's that hatred? You know yeah. where is yeah. the Boris Specker going around cussing in German? You know where's the John McEnroe? I, yeah. I, and I I just think that's just great. 
just to see something like that. Yeah. That's why I'm excited to see the rise of like a Nick, a Nick Curios. Uh, and some of the younger guys, I think, will start bringing some more attitude uh, to the game. I just think tennis has been so top-heavy for, I mean, really the better part of a decade, if not more. Yeah, I was going to say, if not two. Yeah, almost. I mean, if not two. I thought we were going to see it last year. Clearly we didn't. But I think this year you will start to see it and continue to see it. Uh, it is really the rise of the underdogs. I mean, we had two unseated people in the semifinals. Kyle Edmund, who, for those that don't know, I had a chance to interview and ask a very, very hard-hitting question at the Winston Sam Open. I pretty much asked him if he got frustrating, frustrated having to hit tennis balls for a living. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's just, that's just the questions I asked. All right. And then we had uh, Chung Yano, however the heck you pronounce his name, too. Who? Not that way. <laughs> no, not that way. I, I know. Young Chung. Young Chung. So, fantastic player. Uh, you know, well, again, some more up-and-coming players here. So, yeah, Alex, I think you're going to continue to see new names. So, don't fret. Uh, eventually, Roger Federer will stop winning, I think. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right now, my money's on him to win Wimbledon, honestly. So, we'll just have to wait and see. But we're going to see a change. The guard will be changing yeah. soon. It will. It will. It will. But, uh I mean, it, it is great to see him playing well again. So, tennis-wise, in the male side, um, Matt, we had a little controversy, a little political controversy with Tennis Sandgren, a ASLY favorite, who I had called our last ep- podcast episode to have a breakout year. So, my prediction so far is going well. An oracle. I'm just, I was yes. blown away. And I was yes. boasting at the time about my pick of Ryan Harrison. Because when we were podcasting at that time, he was already having some early success. Little did I know, Tenny Sangren would just blow that out of the water. And it's yeah, it's really exciting to see. And it's disappointing uh, with what happened. I did call Tenny's to, to beat um, Warinka in my bracket. Yeah. But not, I did not have him winning after that. So... If you've been living under a rock, essentially here's what happened. So, Tennis Sangren played very well. He um, got to the quarterfinals. He beat uh, Dominic Team. He beat uh, Sam Wawrinka. Um, and then he lost to Hyun Chung. Um, I think I pronounced that correctly. Um, in three actually pretty tight sets. Six, uh, four, six, six, seven, three, six. So, not a pushover match by any means of uh, the imagination. So, Tennis on his Twitter account had, there was a little bit of activity showing him kind of interacting with some people in the alt-right political movement. And he wasn't, he never explore, expressly adopted some of their views. He, um, I think in his words, he dabbled. Um, he kind of found some of their some of the things he had to say interesting, and Matt, as you can imagine, um, the media uh, just started going off on him like a pack of chihuahuas with a visitor coming to the door um, about this stuff, and deservedly so. I mean, I you know I I do not want to get political. This is supposed to be like a five minute quick segment. I mean, certainly I think some of the people in that movement are very suspect, you know, and have been. 
Yeah, traits, and I, I think, you know, if you put something online, you should be have your feet held to the fire. And at the end of the day, I think Tennis did a pretty decent job of someone who's really never been in front of serious media coverage of handling it. I mean, he admitted, said, you know, uh, I don't want to put words in the mouth, but he pretty much said he was asked if, you know, I think the reporter essentially asked him, does it bother you that people might think you're linked to the alt-right because of your Twitter? And I think he had a great answer. He said, yeah. You know, he's like, I don't, I don't adopt their views. I'm not, I don't consider myself someone of that, you know, political following. And if someone will look at my Twitter and think that I'm part of that, he said that it is bothersome to me, you know. And um, he issued an apology, you know, for, for some things, and he deleted some of his, some of his tweets that were controversial, which I think is always such a dicey move. You know, do you delete them to get out of the way, but then at the same time it looks like you're hiding something, you know. Um, but I thought he handled the situation well, Matt. Um, um, you know, and um, I, I was certainly proud of how he played. And, um, you know, it's it's here nor there. I think what, what's, what, what frustrated me so much about it, Matt, was that if Tennis Sandgren was a far left, Antifa guy who was just a nut job on the left side of the political spectrum, nobody would care, you know. Uh, and that was my frustration, but I think I'll leave it at that, but I'll, I'll let you chime in. Do you think he's truly remorseful, or is he just doing it because, you know, he feels like, okay, well, I guess this is what I have to do just to make people happy? I think he's, I think he's truly remorseful, and it was funny. Um, Jamari Jenkins... Um, who is a black tennis player. He went to University of Virginia, was an NCAA champion. He is now Serena Williams' hitting partner on the tour, tweeted in support of Tennis Sangren. He said, essentially, I know that tennis and I have well, might differ on some political things, but this is a non-issue. Like, tennis is a good guy. I know him, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not... The, the character, character, you know, he's a good guy, essentially what Jamari said. So Jamari's boss, Serena, blasted Tennis Sangren because he had previously in years prior been um, been critical of Serena. And it's funny because Jamari then deleted that tweet. Yeah, um, well, Ser- Serena Williams, you know, I've kind of been up and down on Serena. I think overall, I mean, I do like her. Her accomplishments are just massive to, oh, yeah. to the game the of goat. tennis, oh, cool. period. Yeah. Uh, and I'm... Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of her response. What I was disappointed was seeing people come out and share a tweet in which Penny Sangren called Serena Williams a couple years back disgusting. Um, and it was a doctor tweet. It was cut off. It was a link to an article with a picture. And the way it looked, it looked like yeah. that he was calling Serena based on the you know unflattering picture taken during the middle of a match as disgusting. Physically disgusting when actually, no. If the uh, the actual photo from the actual the actual article was about how she was basically threatening to kill one of the line judges uh, during one of her matches, which again I, I don't really have a problem with. I mean, I, I don't think it's professional, but hey, it brings some drama into tennis, and I love it. You know, I want to see drama. Uh, but let's just get get, get that right. And honestly, Alex, I kind of take a different stance. I don't think he's sorry. 
necessarily. I think he might be sorry for the tweet he did when he was like 20 years old about some trannies at a nightclub. Okay, yeah. fine, yeah, sure, he's sorry, but let's put that in perspective, people. 20 years old, college student, he had zero well, followers. Sure. I mean, exactly. I, I agree it's distasteful, and I think he lacks a little bit of maturity uh, from what I've heard. I'm not going to argue that point. But when, you know, after his uh, quarterfinal loss, when he went to the media, you know, I've read over a couple times his response. He had a prepared response. And I think it was good, but also showed me that he's going to continue believing what he wants to believe, and that's absolutely fine. I mean, a great quote from it was, and I quote, you know, with a handful of followers, some likes on Twitter, my fate has been sealed in your minds. That's exactly true. Because people are just trying to get some type of story. They want to go on him. And then people that don't know anything about tennis whatsoever just want to purely destroy his career. And that's wrong. And that's disgusting. Was his tweets tasteful? No, absolutely not. Not not all of them. I think it's just more of a maturity issue. Before the Australian Open, he had 5,000 followers. That's it. He's been a nobody, to be honest with you, grinding away on the Challenger toll. We've been covering him. But we're not CNN or Deadspin or ESPN. Let's just be real with it. So I chalk it up to uh, some immaturity. I think I do agree possibly with a lot of his views, but I think he needs to keep some of it to himself. And you definitely do not want to be propagating any alt-right, you know, viewpoints. That's for sure. In public or in private. And he essentially admitted that, I think, in one of the press conferences. He said, you know, for a long time I've just kind of been a nobody in tennis. You know, I've been outside of the top 100. And before, you know, years ago he was in the top three, 400. He was playing college exactly. years ago. And he just said, you know, I just really wasn't thinking about it. Um, but, but time will tell. But, you know, I, um, at the end of the day it's, it's a typical uh, overreaction in the media to something, which, like I said, I have no problem with him being – held accountable for what he said. I mean... They were, people online were trying to doom this guy to hell. You know? He, he, <laughs> he really said. was. Uh, and, heck, speaking of last year, he looked like a homeless man staying off of Exit 205 asking you for money. <laughs> Thank God he finally cut his hair and shaved. Uh, he, Agreed. He, he was looking rough. <laughs> the, true, the true definition of a journeyman yeah. for a while. Yeah, I, I saw him on the Australian Open, and I had to do a double take. I was like, is that tennis? Yeah. I was expecting I some half-intoxicated hobo or vagabond <laughs> just showing up to a tennis court. Anyway. Yeah, but anywho. Yeah, so, anywho, uh, Ted, but, uh, we totally support Tennis Sandgren. Question for you, though, big Alex. Big fan here, big fan. Where does yeah. he go from here? You know, he just went down to Buenos Aires to, tw- to try to qualify for a 250, and he lost to really – Yeah. I haven't even looked the guy up, but some no-name guy from Argentina. Uh, I mean, are we already seeing the effects of what's going on? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. At the end of the day, I mean, I think he's making the right decision to get on the dirt right now. I mean, you got the clay court season coming up. I don't think he's ever been a strong player on red clay. And I think, I mean, I, I definitely, I think I really give him applause. Clay court you know, season, though. We we have Miami and Indian Wells and Marchand. There's still plenty of hard court action. Well, that's go. true. I mean, th- that is true. But I think in Europe, the clay court is season is warming up and um I'd, I'd imagine it's his thinking that he needs to get as much as many matches on red clay as he can um so 
I mean, he's got his elevated ranking. You know, I, I think it's a good move. You know, I, at the end of the day, um, I'm really curious to see what he does in Miami and Indian Wells. Like you said, I mean, is it going to get to him? Is he? Are people going to know who this guy is now and take him more seriously? Uh, time will tell. Uh, but um, it, it's, I'm very curious, and I really cannot pinpoint what I think is going to happen. I mean, I, I hope he certainly doesn't fall off the map, you know, become a one-hit wonder, but I don't think that'll that'll be the case. No, um, I, I don't think so either. He's shown to give you a consistency, but he's never had this much media attention. So, again, only time will tell. Uh, but, you know, moving on here, Alex, we also have the first ever New York Open, which is now, for those that don't know, replacing the Memphis Open. And this is held in Nassau uh, Coliseum right there in Long Island, the, the ex-home of the New York Rangers. And, Alex, they have uh, – this tour- tournament is exciting in more ways than, than one. Number one, it's just loaded with Americans. We have Francis Diafo, Mackenzie McDonald, Isner, Query, Rubin, Johnson, Harrison, Young, Do- Donaldson – uh, and then a couple, a few other guys too, trying to qualify as this, as we're recording. But tell me, Alex, it's cold up in New York. It's February. How, how are they going to be playing this? And can you describe this setup? Well, it's an indoor us? tournament. Okay. So yeah, so it's an indoor tournament. Obviously, um, probably I think Matt, one of the coolest setups for a small 250 I've seen in a long time. Okay, so. Here's how it works. So essentially, it's in this coliseum, as Matt was saying. You have one court that's vertical and one that's horizontal. So essentially, they make a T, okay? However, in the middle of the courts, there's this very tall, large divider that you can buy a seat on the top of, okay? So think almost like a bridge between the two courts. So if you're on one court, you cannot see the other court, okay? There's this big divider in the middle of it, and they have these, it's kind of like the VIP seats on top of this bridge. So you can, you, you essentially can watch one match, turn around, walk about 10 to 15 feet, and see the other court. Now, if you're in the stands, it's, you can see both of them at the same time. So I think it's a very, very cool layout. Uh, I've never seen that before, to my knowledge. Um, so that's pretty neat. Also, the courts are black. Uh, I think it's the only black courts on tour, only black courts I've ever heard of. Um, I think that backfired a little bit, though, Matt, because you can just see every ball mark. Yes, I you know. know. It's very dirty. It's very, it's very funny dirty because looking. I saw some pics on Twitter, and for a hot second, I said, is this clay? Because there's so many marks on it or something. Uh you know, I, I know if it was like a greenish clay, but I had already known it was black, and yet it does. You see every little skin mark um, all throughout. But yeah, I mean, it's different. I, I still like the fact that they're changing some things up. Uh, now, with that being said, the schedule has to be just quick. People aren't going to have time to play around because it looks like we only have two Colts. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're going to be getting matches in and out of there super quick um, because they're playing doubles. Um, they're still in singles qualifying right now, doubles qualifying. Um, so, yeah, a lot of tennis to play on two tennis on two tennis courts. So 
I would imagine, you know, after one match ends, they're going to have another one starting in 10 minutes. Now, um, these Colts are so close. It could be one. I mean, it had to be a really bad miss hit, but a player could easily miss hit, and it could easily go over that central divider that you're talking about into the other court. No problem. It would be a, a. I think you would have to the the player on the court that is horizontal would have to smash. It would have to be a smash like right on top of the net. And he would like John Isner could probably smash it so hard that that could happen, you know. But I mean that divider is pretty tall. Well, I'm not even talking about that. Even the one. Or just a you're yeah, just like like, a I'm hit. talking like a miss hit to where it goes off the top of the frame of someone's racket. You know, someone's coming in maybe for an overhead slam, and the ball just goes flying. It doesn't happen that often, but I've seen it in person. It, it could so. You know, that, that'll be fun. I'll be pulling up on the ATP app and definitely probably be watching a whole lot of matches. Even tomorrow, uh, I'll be pulling up the matches. I'm just excited to see the coverage. I mean, you could you could theoretically set a TV camera up and see both matches simultaneously. No problem. Yeah, you really could, and I think that's um, I think it's cool. Um, I'm kind of curious to see the reception it gets. It's my understanding the Memphis Open obviously was not that big of a tournament if they canceled it. Um so we'll see. I hope yeah, it, I hope it uh, considering how good New York supports the U.S. Open, I am curious to see this one. But I think the people of Long Island are really going to come out. You know, you have the Hamptons up there too. So I, I, I feel it's a pretty good tennis fall following. Uh, and football's done. It's cold. Let go out and see some, you know, good good tennis. We have Kevin Anderson, a lot of American guys. We have some fun people playing. Now, I, I was reading an article and. John McEnroe said that the Australian Open was an abysmal performance for men, which I kind of take issue with. But with that being said, people have been saying this is a chance for us to bounce back. You know, there's Rotterdam going over in Europe right now. Yeah, the Buenos Aires Open or the Argentinian or the Argentina Open. How pertinent is it that an American wins this match? And you know who, who are you? Who's your favorite to win this tournament? And then who are you looking to potentially, you know, cause a, you know, uh, cause a little bit of buzz? So American men to win the tournament. I mean, I probably have to give the nod to either um, Query Donaldson or John Isner. Well, pick one. I mean, okay, Isner. Isner. Okay, because really, if yeah. you look, because I mean, he's got. Radul Albat or a qualifier in his second round. He's got a first round bye. Then he's, well, he could run into Kini Shikori in the third round. Yeah. I mean, but if he can get past that, he might face Kevin Anderson, which will be tough. Or he might face... Um, Kevin Anderson's a good... A good that's a good match maybe right Francis, there. Maybe Francis Tiafo in the semifinals. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I don't think, I don't see anybody that's, I think I would be really worried about if I was Ezra minus Kei Nishikori, um, who's got no room in the first round. Um, so, I mean, I don't look for, I really think Ezra can win. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Um, I would say my favorite to, my, my favorite to win this actually is going to be Ryan Harrison. He has points to defend. I think he's doing well. I uh, do keep an eye on Steve Johnson. 
Um, as far as somebody who could kind of come out of the woodwork and make some noise, I'm actually not going to be able to pick an American player here. I'm going to go with Matthew Ebden from um, Australia. Yep, I think I'm not saying I'm not saying he's, he's not going to win the thing, but I'm saying I could see him beating Sam uh, Sam Query, and then possibly knocking off. He would likely play probably Ryan Harrison. I, I think Ryan Harrison will beat him, but I think Ebden's a pretty solid player. And then, of course, you have Key Nishikori uh, as a sneaky number five seed. I mean, he is put right in there. I mean, this, is a, this is a good player here. Do not underestimate him. So I, I think it's going to be really exciting. We have, how many Americans do we have? One, two, three, four, like five, six, seven, nine. Like we have, we're going to have 10 to 12 max Americans in this thing. I mean, that's just... That's just fantastic. So my expectation is that, you know, one of our boys brings home, uh, you know, brings home prize money. Brings home some hardware. Yeah. It could happen. It could I happen. mean, well, it, it, it should. This, these are the type, of, these are type of tournaments. It's a home tournament in New York. You, win. you have a 500 going on. You have another 250. You have to win. It's just after a slam. You have to win. These are the ones, yeah. especially the young up-and-coming guys, have to take advantage of. Ryan Harrison did it last year in Memphis. She's always points to defend. I expect to see it again here, and we really need to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting nothing less but a win. And if we don't get it, we, we better at least have somebody in the final. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, um, great news on the young, young American mm. front. Um, Sebastian Corda. Uh, Matt, I think you've been tracking him a little bit. The young man just won the Australian Open, um, which was fantastic. Um, his dad, Matt, was a tennis player back in the day. Um, Peter Corda, who actually won the Australian Open. Uh, his sister, uh, two sisters who were professional golfers. So obviously that's just a super athletic family but uh with high expectations sure he got a wild card into the main draw of the new york open after winning the australian open uh boys title so tell us a little bit about sebastian so sebastian i mean you basically covered pretty much most of it i know he came out he's coming out of the junior circuit now and took took home the uh Took home the hardware from the Australian Open. Looks like you said his father ended up winning the Australian Open, which was, which was pretty cool for him. Uh, I I really have a lot of hopes in Sebastian. I, I think it's something people need to need to be aware of that you know we have some great junior players. We are only second to Australia, believe it or not, in the amount of junior um, Grand Slams won. USA is right behind. USA is only behind Australia. So I think that really is a testament to the young up-and-coming skill we have. And I'm curious to see where he does. I'm trying to look it up, and I can't seem to find anything on whether or not he'll be going directly pro or be going straight to college. Alex, I know you're a big fan of the college system, and I, am. I, I think you're starting to sway me in that direction more and more. But I also really think if you can go ahead and go pro, you know, go go make that money now. Uh, yeah. I mean, how, look at all the top guys outside the U.S. They're not going to college. They're going straight in there. Well, 
I will respectfully disagree. But with that said, uh, a guy that we've mentioned a few times, Patrick Kipson, um, lived in the Raleigh area. Um, he was number one, I think, men's or number one boys player in the nation. Uh, played in the U.S. Open this past year. Got a wild card in there. Uh, took his talents to College Station, Texas. Play for Texas A&M. Is it? Is it? Shit! Is it? Shoot! Is it A&M that's in College Station? Matters at Texas Tech. It's A&M that's in College Station. Okay. Yeah. So he's playing um, college tennis for Texas A&M right now. Um, so I think that's really great. I think he made a great decision. It's kind of a surprise. He honestly picked Texas A&M, being that he has freaking awesome ACC tennis like in his backyard with UNC, Duke, Virginia. You've got Georgia right down the road as well. Um, but with that said, I mean, happy for the young man. Hope he has a great college career down there. I think he's actually, Matt, I saw a few weeks ago, and they have, they're not really – so college tennis is kind of weird. In the fall, they just kind of play a bunch of, like, minor tournaments who just kind of go to a, a tournament one weekend and play, like, two or three different, you know, matches against different teams. Whereas in, in the spring, you actually play your real schedule, like your conference guys and whatnot. Um, I think he was playing one or two already with the one or two position. So um, that might have been a big – Decision for him to go to Texas A&M, you know, getting to play against uh, the top opponents from, uh, you know, his uh, his competition. I think so. Um, I mean, I, I know it's a drag for a lot of these players, and, and it's difficult and it's lonely. However, with that being said, I'm still a fan of just going on the pro circuit. I mean, education is very important, and I know that development at, at college is is also very important, but you're, you're going to have a jump, I think, on a lot of these guys from college. You've already been doing the toll for four years. You know what it's like. You know the struggle. You may not necessarily make any money, but you know what? Neither of they. They can't keep a dime. So I, I, I'm, I still maybe would have liked to have seen him go pro. However, I don't know his personal story well enough. I, I think, Alex, you and me, and most everybody in tennis media can get caught up in the score lines. You know, we, qu- we quickly look at someone's performance uh, throughout the year or at any point in time and their age and their stats and what have you. And then we just immediately draw conclusions, never having even talked to the guy for five seconds. And there's so much of, of a mental game in there and a personal development. So perhaps with him, it might be better that they went to college. And I'm curious to see how that goes. But until we have more of the top, some of the top talent, foreign talent. So I'm talking people from Spain, people from Germany, Switzerland, anywhere, going through the U.S. college system and then coming out and having a really, really successful career. I'm always going to be a little skeptical of it. Well, yeah, but you got Izzer, you have Steve Johnson, Kevin Anderson went through that system. And, and true. Um, I mean, come on. I mean, true. They're great, but you didn't name a single slam winner. Let, you got Rampers? Let, let, he he, he played college. Hasn't he won some doubles? Okay. Playoffs? Well, Rampers has won Rampers is actually a fantastic doubles player. He's actually a big supporter of the college system. Uh, yeah, big time supporter. And, and, and I mean, that's at the end good. of the day, I think, you're, I think you're, your comparison, man, is unfair, though. So if you want guys to come out of college and win Grand Slams, well, there's been about seven Grand Slam winners 
in the past like eight years. Okay, so I mean, I understand. Don't we wrong. I think we both want to. Well, let's look at the Masters tournaments. I I guarantee you, you're gonna see that. You're gonna see some similar numbers when you go go down. Keep keep diving down because a vast majority of the people going through it are Americans. Okay, and we've been saying all along. American tennis has been lacking really since Andy Roddick. We've been okay, but it's nothing special. It's not drawing huge crowds. People aren't going to Flushing Meadows to see Rampress or Donald Young. Okay, they're going to see Nadal and and Federer and Andy Murray and everybody else and Chilich and whomever. Well, maybe not Chilich. No one really seems to want to. I have yet to met a Chilich fan. Uh, but you know, so I. I, I, I'm still, I'm still skeptical. I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of good out of it. Maybe what I should say is, if you are on the, if you are an outlier, if you just have crazy talent, I mean just crazy talent, then yes, maybe you skip college and just go straight to the pros. Well, maybe sure. I mean, maybe like, that's what uh, I'm saying. Maybe we are on the same page here. I just yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're look, if you're a guy like um, Donaldson or Fritz. Or, um, oh gosh, what's the one guy I really, really Francis Tiafo. Yeah, I mean, you're going to waste your time in college, okay? Because you're going to just smoke everybody. No one's going to give you a serious fight unless you're playing the absolute best players in the nation. Um, and you don't need to spend time going to class. You need to spend time practicing, you know. But um, Especially if you're, you're, when I look like at players like Tommy Paul. First of all, I don't think Tommy Paul would be I think call. I think if Tommy Paul went through college, <laughs> I don't think he'd have a tennis career. He'd gain about fifteen to thirty pounds, and I think he'd be passing a lot of joints too. So that's just my. Yeah. That's just right. my personal. Opinion. The boy likes to have fun. I, I love me some Tommy Paul. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan. I'm a huge fan. Big fan. Huge fan. It, that, that's just that, that's just our boy right there. So, well, Alex, I think we had a pretty good podcast. Uh, Absolutely, man. I think we covered a whole lot of things. I agree, too. Well, everyone, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Ace Out Wide Tennis Podcast. Again, on Twitter, catch us at, at Ace Out Wide PC, on Reddit at Ace Out Wide. And if you want to email us in a question, Ace Out Wide Podcast at Cheaping.